Yeah, yeah. Happy Mother's Day to you moms. Okay, you guys worked for this. Literally. <laughs> All right, you labored for this thing. You guys deserve this. All right, so um, I do hope that you guys get to enjoy this day. And so before we go any further, um, it's just funny because I was sharing a story. Uh, my dad texts Janine and I at 11.30 p.m. We're in bed. We're in bed, and he's like, hey, can you do a video for your mom? <laughs> I'm like, oh, snap. So we, we did four, four shots, four videos of just saying happy Mother's Day. Uh, my hair was all jacked up. You know, it was just, just bad. Angles were just bad uh, in bed. Uh, but, yeah, so let me pray for us. Let me bathe this time in prayer, uh, and we'll get going, all right? Um, God, I just thank you for today. Um, it, it's a good day. It's a good day for, for, for many who, uh, who are mothers, who, um, man, God just has just blessed um, Moms to be moms, and I thank you for that. Uh, today is also a day for, for some of, of mourning and weeping, uh, and it's a tough day. Uh, but I'm just reminded of how in Scripture this, this idea of not having a kid is, is not far-fetched. It's not, it's not something that's far from you. There's a woman named Hannah in, in 1 Samuel who could not have a kid, um, but she cried out to you, she prayed, and you heard her. And I just pray that today, though it's a day of rejoicing, it's also this day of, of mourning and being reminded that, God, you do hear our cries. Um, and so we do want to honor uh, all the moms. And so, Father, I pray that you will just allow them to enjoy today. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you've been with us for the past, I guess, the past few weeks, we've been going through this book of Colossians, the series of Colossians, right? It shows you, this book in particular, shows you the supremacy of Christ. And I know that's a bigger word, right? It shows you that Jesus is above all things, that Jesus is the only thing that actually matters, right? That Jesus goes above authority. Jesus goes above your opinion, your feelings. Jesus it ends with Jesus. It begins and ends with Jesus. And this is what Paul is writing about. Okay, he's writing this letter uh, in prison. He's in prison because of the gospel of Jesus, that gospel being Jesus died for you while you were still a sinner so that you would not die eternally, but that you would have him forever at the end of this life. And even now we get glimpses of what the gospel has done in our lives. And this is what Paul is preaching. This is what Paul is teaching to the people of Colossae. He's saying Christ is supreme. He wants to give you life. Your life is hidden in him. Your identity is hidden in him. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about identity and then work. Your identity in Christ, and then your work. So, um, I'm I'm doing this intentionally, that we don't talk about work first, uh, because we tend to do that. We love to be people who do things. We love to be people who see things with our hands and create things and see a finished product. 
uh, but in the scripture we're, we're going to read um, in a bit, shows us that, man, it's, it's more than doing. Uh, it's understanding what our identity is and who it lies in. Um, so, quick question. This is going to require you guys to speak up. Um, what do you guys do for a living? Electrician. What? Nurse. Nursing students. Okay, a student. What else? What is it? Bank teller. Oh, baby. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> other things, other things. Trampoline installer. I guess that's a sky zone. I guess that's a real thing. A mom. Right? A mom. What, what, what are some other careers that you guys have? What? Machine operator. What are some hobbies you guys got? Scrapbooking. Oh, my gosh. Woodworking. Board games. Coloring? Who said coloring? <laughs> coloring, okay. <laughs> Exercise, right? Uh, I, I say this, right? I ask that question because um, what we do, we, we identify so much of ourselves in what we do. Okay? Is there a buzz? Okay. All right. That hopefully it goes away. Um, but, right, should I just use a mic? Okay, keep going. Cool. Uh, <laughs> sorry. It's really distracting. It's distracting me. But, <laughs> so we identify so much, right, in our work, in what we do, right? That becomes who we are. You're a mom, okay? You're whatever Kevin Pruitt said, okay? Whatever that is, all right? Um, you're, you're a nursing student. You're a nurse, right? You're an electrician. You're a machine operator, right? Those things, okay, they hold so much of our identity. I, I want you to notice something, okay, that what we do, what we do is not who we are. What we do does not define who we are. What we do does not make us right, sons and daughters of the Most High King. What you do does not define your identity. Your identity lies in something else, in a person, and that person being Jesus. Okay? Guys, this is really really important because we live in a culture where work is elevated and it defines who we are. You are simply an accident away from your identity being taken away if you identify yourself in something that you do. You are a tragedy away from losing your identity if you define who you are and what you do. It's terrible. It's a terrible way to find purpose. It's a terrible way to define who you are. Okay? 
I know, right, for me, we identify some people as, hey, that's so-and-so's wife, that's so-and-so's husband, right? Janine is, oh, Janine, that's Brian's wife. It's a a way to remember people, but really we've made it an identity. Um, And so let, let me explain this real quick, okay? Our work for Christ, what we do, for Jesus, what we do in general, our work for Christ, if not rooted in our identity to him, will become the gauge of our relationship with Jesus, with how, how our relationship with Jesus is going. Okay, let me say that again. Our work for Christ, if not rooted in our identity to him, will become the gauge of how our relationship with Jesus is going. Okay, so let me explain this really quick, okay? If I base my identity, if I base my relationship, okay, on how work is going, how the church is going, how um, I do in staff meeting and all those things, okay, there are days where staff meeting really stinks. Why? Because my heart is not right. Why? Because there might be something I don't don't agree with or agree with. If, if, If work is a bad day, my relationship with Jesus is a bad day. If work is a good day, my relationship with Jesus is a pretty darn good day. Right? It's based off of how I do. And this is what Jesus is trying to get away from. He's saying, look, your work does not define you. It does not define how your relationship with Jesus is going. But for so long. Jericho Road Church prides itself in how it's doing. But if you look at the heart of it, I'm not saying this is the heart of J Road, but if you look at your heart, how is your relationship with Jesus? How do you base your, what is your gauge? Is it your work or is it found in Christ? Which I'm going to explain more and more. And so in Luke, Luke 19, 27, we're going to get to Colossians, I promise you. We're going to get to Colossians. Luke 19, 27 says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. All right? You shall love who? The Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and what is second? Your neighbor. I love how intentional scripture is because Jesus does not say love your neighbor and then me. No, he says, look, you better put me first. You better make me a priority. Because if we get this wrong, our identity is all whacked out. You will identify yourself as an electrician and a mom. You will find purpose in what you do. But Jesus is saying this, is, hey, you should love me first. You should love me first. And, hey, there's going to be a time, okay, there's going to be a time where your love for the Lord exceeds, right, your love for people. It should look like that. Your love for the Lord should exceed your love for people. It should exceed your love for people to the point where it looks like you hate people. You hate the ones that you love. 
In Scripture, it says this in Matthew. It says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. If you love others more than me, they are not deserving of being mine. Let me read that again. Whoever loves father or mother more than Jesus is not worthy of me. If you love others more than him, you are not worthy of being his. That's coming out of Jesus' mouth. He's saying, if you love people more than me, you are not worthy of loving me. If you get this priority of loving people first and then Jesus, your priorities are out of whack. Your love for Jesus, at some point in your life, you're going to have to decide who you love more. Are you going to love Jesus or your comfort? Guys, I get this. Right? My wife and I, our families are, thir- our families in Jersey, 13 hours away. You know, it, did, it doesn't hit us until holidays come around, until you get a wedding card of a cousin you grew up with. Right? Hey, can you come to this wedding? You got to say no. Hey, can, can you come to this birthday, this Halloween bash, this Thanksgiving thing? Right? And my wife have, and I have to say no. I'm, I'm not saying this to have a pity party, but at some point, right, my wife and I made a decision to say, hey, we're, we're going to sacrifice this time. We're going to sacrifice our lives for Jesus' mission and his cause. At some point, you are going to have to decide for your family if you are going to love Jesus more or the house that you live in. At some point, you are going to have to decide for you and your family if God is calling you to missions and saying, hey, leave your job and go to this third world country. Or go to a different state. Or go three hours away. Like Jim did. Nicole and their family. At some point, your love for the Lord is going to have to exceed who you are. Jesus says, don't get it twisted, man. Don't get this twisted. Your work is not who you are. Your work is, does not identify who you are. It's what you're good at. It's what you're gifted at. But it's not who you are. So, identity and work. We're going to get into Colossians. Identity will be one of the first things you see in this section. It's very subtle. But here we go. Colossians verse uh, 12. Paul says this. Put on them as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. And here's the word. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which... 
indeed you were called in one body. You were called. You are God's chosen ones. You are holy and beloved. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Did you see what Paul is trying to say here? In verse 12, he says, look, put on then as what? God's chosen ones and what? Holy and beloved. Your identity is this, that you are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Do you see what Paul does here? He doesn't jump to the movement of what to do. You will see this all over the scripture where it shows us who we are. Even in the first verse of Colossians 3, he says, you have been raised with Christ. You have been raised with him. You are chosen. You are holy. You are beloved. That's who you are. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget that. Christ has given you your identity. Your work does not give you who you are. It can be taken away in seconds. Guys, one of my biggest fears for my job, for my calling, for my career, is to fail. Is to fail. Why is that one of my biggest fears? Is because I so highly identify myself as a pastor, as someone who's doing the work, work for the Lord. And that's terrible. Yeah, I'm a pastor, but that's not who I am. What Paul is saying here is, hey, if you fail, because you will every day, remember who you are. He says, you are chosen, holy, and beloved. No one can tell you who you are but Christ. I love, I love the visual that Paul gives us here, right? He says, put on your identity. He says, put on who you are. And, and, and so I'm going to explain this just a little bit more, right? Um, Last week, Jim went through just the first half of uh, Colossians 3. And, and one of the things uh, we talked about is putting to death something, taking off something, putting to death, uh, therefore, what is earthly in you. Right? Those earthly things are sexual immorality. Okay, if you want to get into the Greek of that, it's, it's porneia, right? That's where the word porn comes from. Get rid of that. Uh, he says impurity, passion, uh, another word for, for lust. And he says evil desire um, and desiring things that you cannot have that don't belong to you, which is idolatry. On account of these things, God's wrath is coming, is coming. And, and so uh, this black shirt, I wore all black intentionally, uh, equals death, all right? Paul says, put this black shirt to death. Put the porn on it, put it to death. Put the lust on it, put it to death. Put the things that you can't have and, and, and really want and will do anything to get, 
but that's death. Okay? So Paul's saying, look, you could put those things to death. You know why? Because you are beloved, you are chosen, you are holy, you have been raised with Christ. Jesus nailed those things that have destroyed your relationship with Jesus, and he crushed sin, those things that have caused death in us, he crushed sin on the cross. And he's saying, you could take those things off now. If you surrendered your life to me, you can take those things off. And here's what Paul says. He says, put on, put on as holy, chosen, and beloved ones. He says, put on compassionate hearts. And so I want to give you an image of this. Um, I've been talking about this for a while, all week. Uh, I guess... Yesterday, right, Janine? Uh, I got these. <laughs> I got these shoes uh, for Christmas. I a particular shoe. If you want to get me one, uh, get me some. I expect you guys to get me some. Our Jordan ones. No, Crocs are the dumbest thing in the world. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I guess they're comfy. Um, right. Uh, my one of my favorite shoes of all time is Jordan ones. Okay. I I got these Jordans for Christmas. Um, okay, and I've never worn them, all right? So Paul says this, right? He says, take off death. He says, take it off. Take those things off. Put those things to death. And he says, put on them new kicks, right? He says, put on that new self. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness. Put on meekness. Put on humility. Put on these things, right? It's this imagery that every single morning you could wake up. You could wake up grumpy as heck because that's what I did. Every Sunday morning, for some reason, Satan loves to attack me. He loves to attack my heart. And so this morning in the shower, I said, Jesus, I am yours. I belong to you. I had to remind myself that, man, I belong to Jesus, and I got to put this stuff on. And look, it's simple as that. I know, this is not, this, literally, this is the only white shirt I own. Um, oh, 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 crap. There we go. Oh, yeah, bad idea. Oh, there we go, right? He says, put on compassionate hearts. Put on that new self. Put on what Christ has redeemed you to be. Your identity is way more important than what you do. Because if you understand who you are, that is going to overflow into what you do. We could wake up every single day and do our jobs. And we could just do work. That's fine. But you want work with purpose. Remember who you are, that you are chosen, beloved. And you know what that identity does out of the overflow of your heart. Knowing who you are, you know what you should do is this, right? He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts. Right? Compassionate hearts, gentleness to those who are suffering. Now, that's something I struggle with. I haven't suffered much in this life. And I wouldn't be surprised later on in my life that I do, Janine and I are suffering for something of some sort. 
But Paul says, hey, you can put that on. You might not have suffered much, but put that on. You might not understand. Be compassionate. Understand someone. And he also says, here's what else you could do. As someone who is a representation of who Jesus is, put on kindness. Jericho Road Church, we're not, if I'm being honest, we're not that kind. We're not a kind church. One of the first features that if I ask, ask anyone or ask a new person coming in, ask them, hey, are we welcoming? That's a reality check. We're not kind. But we can be. We need to be. I, I understand you can't be friends with everyone. I get that. But you can be kind. You see someone new, you better say hi to them. There are people in the church who have been coming here for like three years, and we don't know who they are. Get to know someone. Step out of your comfort zone. Be kind. He says, put on humility. Hey, how can you make Jesus bigger than yourself? How can you make Jesus bigger than your dreams? How can you make Jesus bigger than what you want? How can you make Jesus big in your family? Put on humility. He says, put on meekness. Put on meekness. One of the first people that comes into mind about being meek, um, for some reason, is Jerry. <laughs> and and, and I, I don't know why. I mean, yesterday, it just, for some reason, just reminded me. Uh, because when it comes to being meek, uh, I think we struggle as a culture here. Um, being gentle uh, has this negative connotation of being soft, right? Have you ever met someone who has all the answers to every single little thing? Hey, that person is not meek. That person is not gentle. And what meekness is, 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 is strength and under control, right? You know what you're good at. You know what God gifted you at, but you're not flaunting it. It's under control, in every single situation, you understand that, hey, I think this is a time for me to speak up. You don't got to speak up in every single little thing. But you could put that on. You could put that on. And then he says this, put on patience. Oh, I hate patience. Um, and he's not talking about patience and in the sense of material things, like saving up for stuff. I think that does build patience. But he's talking about dealing with people, right? I, again, I love how intentional scripture gets because he goes from the easiest thing, from compassionate hearts, right? That, that, that's pretty easy to kindness, right? That's pretty easy to say hi to someone and be sweet. And, and then he gets into this idea of meekness. Hey, keep learn when to speak up, and patience, learn to deal with people. Our jobs, right, would be really good. Church would be awesome if there was no people. But guess what? That's not the case. Jesus called us 
chosen, beloved, and holy. And he's saying, hey, be patient with one another. And he goes into what patience looks like in verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I fail at that every single day. You fail at that. But you know what God, what what. Christ is calling us to do. He's saying put on that Jesus shirt, okay, and put those characteristics, those conducts, and and get a dang graphic lettering thing and iron it on there. Be compassionate. Be kind. Be meek. You could do that. Just like you put on your clothes every single day, you could do that every single day. You can work on all of these every single day. You know what I love about the characteristics of of, of compassionate kindness, right? You want to know who Jesus is. This is who he is. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's meek. He's super, super patient. And if you want to know what patience looks like, look at the cross. You want to know how to love people and it's really hard and we're going to fail at it constantly. Look at yourself, how Jesus has saved you, how he has called you to be a son and daughter and reflect that towards each other. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, but that's the symbol of the cross. Know who you are. And out of the overflow of who you are, you will see this stuff happening. You can do this. You can. Jesus made a way for that. The cross is a, a, a symbol that you actually can be like Jesus. The last few verses. He says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Real quick, man, I, I just... I was asking the Lord if, if I should say this or not. Um, we, we really fail at bearing with one another. Uh, we, we fail at forgiving each other. Um, and the climate that we're in, it sucks. It really does. Okay? And I'm going to talk about the Mass. The Mass has become the symbol of love for some reason. Have you noticed that? You, lo- you love people? Please put on a mask. For people who wear a mask, I'm just going to come, come at you. Unmasked peeps, I'm going to come at you even harder. But people with the mask, can I, just because you're wearing the mask does not mean that you love God more by loving people more. It don't mean jack. All right? It doesn't. doesn't make you any better. doesn't make you better than people who, who supposedly um, are killing people by not wearing the mask. So can, can we please stop making the mass a symbol of love? It's an insult to the cross. It really is. Unmasked people, you, you, you also don't help your cause. You, you don't. Your American freedom is on the line, apparently. Your cause for not wearing it and, and saying, uh, this is my faith. I'm not living in fear. Guess what? You're living in fear. The fear of what? Socialism and what they can do to us if we start doing this now. 
You're living in fear too. So can we stop accusing the mass people that they're living in fear? That's not helping anything or anyone, especially when it comes to the love of Christ. So can we stop making the mask and unmask a, a topic of love and, and all these things? Because that, that's not what it's for. That's just a distraction to the, main, to the main thing. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace... The definition of peace here is not this state of, oh, I got nothing to worry about. All right? It's not this state of, oh, I feel good about today. No. All right. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That peace, right? The definition that uh, the Bible really defines that, right, is security, safety in Christ. It's not being in this building, right? It's not being safe at home. Because being a Christian is dangerous. At some point, it's going to be dangerous. At some point, you will get punched in the face for your faith. At some point, you're going to die for this thing. You might die, not die in your lifetime for your faith in Jesus, Praise God for that. But your grandkids might. So how we react in things like this, in pandemics, and it speaks volumes to the people under you. Guys, if you're online peeps, you know, I love you guys. Um, but scripture is pretty clear. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another, in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The people of the Bible, the Christians in this time, Paul was arrested for this thing, okay? He was arrested for the gospel, but it did not stop him from writing these letters. And it did not stop the people of Colossae, the Christians there, from gathering. Okay? And, and I am going to talk strictly to the online peeps. Man, you guys got to, I'm not saying get in here. All right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you better be gathering with other Christians. Because there will be a time when you can't do that, where you're going to have to sneak out a window, meet in a basement because of your faith. And Paul is saying, look, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, like what's happening now. And he's saying, teaching and admonishing. Admonishing, that word is, is, is pretty brutal. In a way, it's pretty offensive and brutal. He's saying, hey, get corrected. Get corrected. Get reprimanded. You need people to tell you where your flaws are, your weaknesses are. Also, you need encouragement and teaching. You can't do that alone. Man, I watch Chargers games every single Sunday on uh, when, when NFL starts, right? When kickoff starts, I'm watching Chargers games and all, all that stuff. But look, all I am is a spectator. Just because I'm looking at a screen does not make me part of the body of the Chargers fan base, that, if it exists at all. 
right? But what Paul is saying, who is in jail, who these Christians being persecuted, who were blamed for fires for no reason because of who they believed in, they were looking for ways to meet. One day the Sunday morning will go away. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to listen to Scripture and say, hey, hey, bud, let's meet today. It might be risky, but let's meet. Let's use code words for Jesus, like JC. No one's going to know what that means, right? And guys, the people that are here, don't look down on the people that aren't. That's how we get in trouble. Welcome people as they come back. Be loving, compassionate, and kind. We could do that with each other. And I love that we're doing the community today because we get to do that. We get to be kind and compassionate. We get to be meek. We get to be patient with one another. Your conduct is an extension of where your identity is truly placed. Your conduct is, a, is an extension of where your identity is truly placed. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything that you do should be from who you are and who God has called you to be. Holy, chosen, and beloved. Let's pray. God, I pray if we have not put on our Jesus t-shirt, if we have not put on love, if we have not put these things on, I pray that we can put them on today. I pray, Father, that if, if we if we forget who we are, um, may we go back to the gospel. May we go back to scripture. May we go back to what you have done for us on the cross. God, I just ask that we live as sons and daughters of the Most High King. For some of us, we might not know how to do that. It's going to be an every single day process. And for the more mature believers, we are still learning how to do that. I pray, God, we know that's not going to be perfected up until the day we die and get to be with you in heaven. But Father, I pray that we work at this. We work at being a son to the Most High King. We work at being a daughter to the Most High King. God, I am yours. This church is yours. The people, the church is yours. May we live in that. May we understand that. And out of that understanding, may we live out who you are in compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiving one another, encouraging one another, correcting one another. All for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.